Hi. Hello. I'm Katerina, a temporarily out-of-action nomad living in Northern England. You've just joined Creators Abroad's podcast, and this is going to be quite a journey. We're taking risks, finding opportunities and sparking our imaginations. I'm here to be part of your creative journey and share tips with you on how to build a new life in a foreign country or town. And most importantly, make a living as a creator. Right, guys, I'm resurrecting an old episode from my regeneration days. I pulled them all up and had to pick one that really captured the idea of travel and how embracing new cultures and ways of thinking can send you down a whole new avenue in life. And you're just like, the heavens open up and shower inspiration down on you. Okay, so this guy, the one who I did this interview with, left a corporate job and was stuck on what to do next. So he decided to travel. But like travel, travel, like have no idea where you're going, just hit the road, wing it, rough stuff. He went from Middlesbrough train station about like 2012 or 2013, made his way through a couple of continents down to Indonesia where his life changed. And he got an idea for a new business. Now, whether you're a creative, a practical-minded person, scientifically-minded, it doesn't matter. If you want to build something from the ground up, you're going to have to embrace the chaos of the building process. Have you ever been on a building site? Has anyone ever gone into your house to renovate or build something or break something down? It's a mess. It's chaos. How do you get a return on the time and energy you invest into turning that chaos into something beautiful? That's what we're going to find out. Here's my interview with Dave Beatty, founder of Round and Coffee Roasters, on the importance of seeking inspiration where you don't expect to find it, energy to continue the right team and becoming an irreplaceable part of your community, even if it's just by offering them a bloody good cup of coffee. Because coffee can go a long way. So here I am once again with a cup of coffee in front of me, absolutely delighted to welcome Dave Beatty to the show. Welcome, Dave. Thank you for the introduction. So, to give our listeners an idea of who you are, imagine there is a film soon to be released called Mountain Coffee. Can you briefly introduce yourself in the style of a film trailer? This is a very interesting question. And uh, first, I need to define what a film trailer is. And a film trailer is, is something which is going to Uh, encapsulate something within 30 seconds to try to do that in a, in a film of Round and Coffee is is going to show uh, a lot of chaos but a lot of calm uh, and, uh, and a lot of coffee so the three C's so I think if you can kind of do that in a 30 second shot you'll get an idea of what life is like in uh, in Rounds and Coffee so something like the grinding of the coffee beans going to the cup of coffee being drunk really calmly And that is the coffee in itself. It is, yeah. But the journey itself is just chaos. Uh, okay. You know, starting yes. a new business, start, you know, anything like that. There's yes. a lot of chaos that um, that mm -hmm. is that comes from it. And, and I think if you if you want somebody to to watch the film, then you need to add a little bit of excitement, and that's where the chaos comes from. All right. So we are going to find out a little bit about the chaos, but also all of the rewards that come with starting your own business, especially if it's a coffee business. Scene one. Inspiration in unlikely places. Humble characterizes where you started and the steps along your entrepreneurial journey. 
setting up a coffee roastery in North Yorkshire, which is a rather unlikely location, I'd say. However, you did not go straight from college or university into the world of coffee. There was a whole period in your life spent in the corporate rat race. What motivated you to become an engineer, which is what you studied, and what factors made you decide to leave behind the comforts of the corporate world? Yeah, it's um, it's interesting because I think when, when you're at school, you know, you're presented with a, a school uh, achievement record and you're asked, where do you picture yourself in the future? So you try to pigeonhole yourself in, in a career or a path that you embark upon. And, and engineering was never really on my agenda. I was never really very good at science. I never thought I was. I didn't like it. When I finished physics, chemistry and biology at school, I thought, well, good riddance. Um, but somehow I ended up in an apprenticeship and I was studying chemical technology. And it was from there, really, when I became sponsored by, you know, a big chemical company and they paid for my education. And then I just ended up on a path. And for me, it was a path of least resistance, really. It was something that I, I ended up enjoying. Um, so, so there was no reason to stop it. But, but I think when life is like that, is that life just is mapped out for you. And, and I think, and it was mapped out for me and I enjoyed it. You know, uh, I can't say that I, I didn't enjoy it, but I think there's always a desire to do something of your own uh, volition. And, and that was always something that was in the back of my mind. And that was something that I, I absolutely had to feed that desire to do something that I had a decision in, in making. So, so I became a, an engineer. I was running a, a, a chemical site and had all the stars and stripes and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I was just deeply unsatisfied. Um, nice wage, all the kind of things that you could really want to have, but just really felt completely unfulfilled. So, and, and in the mean, all this time I was working in the kind of, for the man, I guess I was doing a little, little bit of travelling and, and whatnot. And ultimately, I decided that I wanted to travel. So, so that was where the desire came from, really. All right. And then having left your, your job as a chemical processing engineer, I think that's what you did, uh, you embarked on a life-changing trip inspired by this love of travelling that you discovered. And you chose a rather unusual way to go about the travelling. You travelled by train through various countries. And what was the reason for the trip? And what are the most important lessons that you've learned along the way? So the the, the trip was really just about trying to you know see the world uh, but traveling from A to B but actually enjoying the journey so you know flying to Australia and spending a full year in Australia for me is not traveling it's just living in another country so for me it, I wanted to try and seek some enjoyment in the traveling itself and um so I decided to travel by train. So so I, I travelled from Middlesbrough train station. I went down to London, to Paris, through Poland, sorry, Germany, Poland, Eastern Europe, up into Russia, 
through Russia, Trans-Siberian, uh, and then down into Mongolia, China, and, and just continued traveling until I was almost a broken man because it was just so tiring. It was really tiring. Which train was your favorite? Or which country's train, should I rather um, it's, oh, that's, a, that's an interesting question. I think they're all... Oh, Japan, naturally. Japan oh, yes. is just amazing yeah. uh, and, and really well-known, obviously, for the bullet train. So that, yeah. was, that was such a breeze, travelling in, in Japan on the yeah. train. I used to live in Japan, so yeah, I know all about it. Exactly. So, <laughs> yeah. um, But it was extremely difficult travelling on train in China, in Mongolia, mm -hmm. and in Russia, uh, and just being... You know, just just being in amongst it yeah. at these times where border crossings are, are not the most easiest to navigate. Okay. You know, so yeah, it, it's. Um, but that's part of the fun. Looking back on it exactly. now, that's part of the fun. That's the journey you wanted to experience, exactly, isn't it? Exactly. But the, the question yeah. about what did I learn along yeah. the way, and this were, this is a, a, a very interesting point, because we all live at the moment in uh, with a blanket of fear. fear around us about how how frightening that the world actually is yeah. and um, so I left Middlesbrough train station with this fear of the outside world and for every new destination that I was going to be going to I thought this is you know this is going to happen this is going to happen mm -hmm. I'm going to meet some nasty people I'm going to be um, you know I'm going to be mugged this that the other I've heard so many nasty stories about x y and z mm -hmm. And actually, you get to these places and you realise that the world is not a bad place at all and people are not bad in general. You know, mm. there are some people out there that you don't want to cross. But ultimately, people are out there and very inviting and welcoming yep. uh, to people who are travelling through their, their towns and countries. Okay. Yeah, that's a wonderful thing to learn, especially in the current climate where... To be honest, I think we're all a little bit afraid to just kind of leave our hometown, well, where we are living yeah. at, at the moment. Okay, so you you travel through Europe, Russia, Asia, all these countries, and you eventually ended up in a, the Indonesian island of Sumatra, where you encountered coffee and coffee farmers. Can you tell us a little bit more about what happened there? Yeah, um, again, I was just... Um, uh, in Sumatra mm -hmm. and what I didn't know at the time was that Sumatra was uh, you know very dependent upon coffee as a, a product mm -hmm. and uh, a place that I stayed at was a, a little uh, German bakery uh, and it was in the northern part of Sumatra and whilst I was there I, I saw uh, I saw roasting coffee happening it was on a little bench roaster and all this green coffee and I was just absolutely gobsmacked I've never seen anything like this before okay. um, so so for me that just invoked something in me the next day I hopped on a scooter got a loose idea of where I was going to and I'd arranged to meet a coffee farmer who actually grew this produce for this uh, mm -hmm. German bakery so six hours through the jungle on a on a scooter and somehow I ended up at this plantation and that's where that's where it all started, really, because that's that, that's the first encounter with the farmer, okay. and who was you know desperate for for me to buy his mm -hmm. produce. So was he exporting at the time, or? So I think that yeah, the biggest prize for for somebody, you know, in that position is to be able to find somebody to to sell their coffee to. Mm -hmm. 
rather than a domestic customer. Okay. Um, you know, so an export, being able to export and sell your uh, your coffee to to a UK roaster or a roaster around the the world is is an opportunity for them to to make more money on on what they they yes they of make. course yeah okay and then uh, just to put this all in context so so this was a fairly small farm yeah um, um, as yes. with many of the farms that we operate in it's uh, just a, it was a, a cooperative okay but the 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 the, the guy that we met um, he had a, a small holding. So mm-hmm. the, 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 typically the, the grow coffee is a cash crop. It's, yes. um, you know, they might have a couple of acres of land if that, mm-hmm. and then they'll, they'll grow some coffee in there. Uh, that will then be contributed into a, a cooperative. Yes. So they'll sell that into the cooperative and the cooperative will then sell that on to... Okay, so, it can, yes. yeah, so it's, like it's, it's kind of generally uh, yeah. blended. So he was part of a cooperative. Okay. So yeah. he wasn't directly selling necessarily to a, a buyer. Well, he was, se- yeah. Well, so in, so the dream in, yeah. for him is to sell directly Direct. to a buyer yes. okay. as opposed to selling it to a cooperative yes, where he exactly. just gets, you know, yeah. he doesn't get so much money. Yeah. Okay. After your experience at this coffee farm, did you work there just to know? No, I was oh, just okay. there. You no, were just there. Just, you just, just encountered there. it. Um, yeah, spent some time there. Yes. And then what did you envision for your life when you returned to the UK? It, Interesting because at that point I realised that coffee was something I was extremely interested in because the process, the logistics, the the subject itself was just something I wanted to learn more about. And um, but I didn't really know where I fit into the whole thing. I just realised that I was going to prize my way into this industry somehow, but I just didn't know where I would kind mm-hmm. of be able to position myself. Were you a coffee drinker before? Yeah, I was, but I think a lot. Of, you know, I was. I started my coffee journey probably in Sumatra. Okay. I didn't know what I didn't know, and I didn't yeah. know a lot. And whilst I was drinking coffee back in the UK before I was away, um, I was probably drinking all the wrong kinds of coffee. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I didn't have any idea about the magnitude of the whole coffee supply chain. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so you returned to the UK and... You've now had the introduction to coffee, and now you decide to to go full steam into the world of coffee. Yeah, and um, what I realised that actually roasting coffee was was something that I wanted to learn mm-hmm. more about. Um, if I hadn't seen people roasting coffee, then I could bet a lot of other people hadn't seen people roasting coffee. Yep. So for me, it was about the drama, and it was about the theatre of roasting coffee, mm-hmm. and about being able to showcase that to people who would want to just get involved in that. And yes. so by creating a market for, for freshly roasted coffee, mm-hmm. I would be able to buy direct from these cooperatives and these farmers and yes. hopefully create create a, a bit of a, a business. But, you know, mm-hmm. I, I never expected what was around the corner. Okay. Scene two. Chaos. Besides humble, another word which came to represent what you do at Roundton Coffee and perhaps something that you developed over the years is care. So care for quality, care for the environment and care for your community. You provide superior quality coffees, carefully sourced by the team from coffee farmers like the one you met in Sumatra. And you've built a relationship with these farmers based on a communal goal of sustainable coffee growing practices. 
Now, at the start of any business venture, you have to make those initial decisions. And as you just mentioned, you didn't quite know what was around the corner. What was your initial vision for Roughton Coffee Roasters? You've used the word a lot, humble. And, um, you know, and I think that was basically, it was just a a bit of a a dream more than anything. Mm -hmm. I was living in the countryside. We got this opportunity for for a nice building to do a little bit of coffee roasting. And and I just pictured myself living in the countryside, roasting a bit of coffee, being able to pay my bills and just living this. So you did think about you were going to sell the coffee roasted. You you weren't just in it for like roasting for friends and family. And Uh, yeah, yeah. I think it was, I don't know, transporting it back. At the time I was doing farmer's markets. Okay. So I was actually selling the coffee on farmer's markets. Mm -hmm. So I w- we were doing lots of the local farmers markets. So so whilst I was selling it to friends and family, you know, I was selling it also to to people on the farmers market. So it was, so I was doing this all all along really. And I think, um, but it was it was to do something that I, I was really wanting to learn more about, and to yeah to to sell it and to try to to get off the gravy terrain mm-hmm. and to 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 sustain a living uh, myself. So that okay. was like, you know, yes. an objective mm-hmm. that I wanted to, to try and fulfil. Okay. So obviously you started the first speciality coffee roaster in North Yorkshire. That sets Roundton apart in in some way, but that you have, you've also thought deeply about what speciality coffee should mean to the community, which adds to what makes you different from other coffee businesses in the Northeast or even in the UK and so forth. In fact, you focus specifically on exposing this whole coffee world to people who perhaps would never have had the chance to to know about it um, because they're not living in a city like London or New York. So why speciality coffee? Why did you choose that? And what does it actually represent to you? And then also... Kind of like an extension of that. What do you want it to represent to the public? So, uh, specialty coffee is 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 a term that's banded around quite loosely, mm-hmm. and um, specialty coffee has got a lot of different meanings to a lot of different people. Uh, speciality, in reality, is is high quality coffee that's been um, been roasted well, and it's brought out the the unique origin characteristics so it's a, it's a it's basically just a bloody good cup of coffee but but specialty coffee means it can mean a lot of other things to other people so people can you can you can score coffee so it's got to be over a certain score uh, mm-hmm. of uh, an approved score so there's lots of definitions but i think that a lot of people hang on to that word specialty mm-hmm. and uh, make it something that it's not and almost make it like an exclusive club yes. and and this is this is something that, that you know i'm kind of quite against you know we see the instagrammable world that we live in at the moment which is completely false and um and all yeah we subscribe to instagram we do all all of the social media Mm -hmm. but for for us we want to provide good coffee to people who want to drink good coffee now if we try to form an exclusive club that you need to be an exclusive member of then actually we're 
you know, what's the what's the point in that? Yes. You know, if we are roasting specialty coffee that we've paid a good price for, and all along the supply chain, everybody is going to get rewarded for. And the farmer who's at the bottom of that supply chain, if he is getting paid uh, a sustainable living, then in my mind, being a coffee roaster or a business where you've got to be a... Me- it doesn't do it good for anybody. Mm-hmm. So if we can open up the doors to the speciality world, then actually that's only going to do more good than not. Yes, and I think this is reflected in, for example, your social media usage because you do show a lot of images of where the coffee actually comes from. And this is not necessarily like a very, I don't know, beautiful-looking cup of cappuccino, although you do that as well. But it, it shows the journey more than anything else, like, the story behind the coffee. Yeah, we just we just, we just yeah. want coffee to be accessible. Yeah. You know, if you want a good cup of coffee, then, you know, we just want to be able to give you that good cup of coffee. Yeah. And um, mm-hmm. and actually, if you want to know the story of the coffee, we can give you that. But but we, we make sure that all of our coffees are traceable and that the price that we pay makes sure that people are not losing out. So yes. for me, if we can open the doors for that, Yes. sell more of that specialty coffee, then, you know, it's win-win for everybody. Okay. So roasting coffee and distributing it alongside coffee machinery and equipment for restaurants and cafes is one side of your business. You also opened up a few coffee shops, which, of course, gives you that opportunity to interact directly with your customers. Learning, first of all, about what they enjoy, but also introducing them to a new appreciation of the flavor intricacies of coffee. So how does the combination of your team, your values and the coffee shops overall set you apart from the broader coffee community? If you had to perhaps summarize that in. Yeah, um, I mean, the good thing is that we've got a a really good team at Rountain Coffee. Um, We we have team of coffee enthusiasts but also very technically minded people mm-hmm. um, but also very approachable people uh, as well but people who you know they want to be in the coffee business themselves so that's the the first thing so that when you engage yeah. with anybody who works with with us you know you should you should hopefully feel that you're, you're dealing with somebody who wants to be there and um, and I think that kind of filters down and around uh, for, around the people who are working uh, with us, that it it is we we want people to to want to be here, okay. and uh, why would you know this is not a job? This is not really a job. You know, we roast coffee, we drink coffee, we talk about coffee. Um, what is the not that to like about coffee, this? That's yeah. why it's the coffee paradise. This that's is, why yeah, I'll this, drop everything. This is it. This is not a real job. Why am I doing podcasts? <laughs> You know, and, and this is a reality. It's, um, you know, we've all, and a lot of the people that do work with us have had, you know, inverted commas, real jobs where they've, they've had the butterflies because they didn't want to go into work mm-hmm. because of the long hours or because of the conditions, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, we don't want to be that business um, and we want to provide a, a good service and we want to, you know, it's about our people and it's about our planet. You know, okay. those are the two things that are important to us. Yeah. So, um, you know, that that's that's our our focus. Okay, great. 
And I think just just a quick comment on that. The reason why I keep going back to Roundhorn is because of that. It's just like your customers do sense that and then they stay loyal. That's, yeah, it's quite, yeah. quite simple. But unfortunately for any entrepreneur, you do have that initial question of how am I going to actually finance my business venture? How did you go about the financial side of setting up and sustaining Roundhorn Coffee? Yeah, um, you know, the... We started on on farmers markets, mm-hmm. you know, and and it's was there any funding in place before no, that? No, no, oh, absolutely it just nothing. Kind of like zero, okay. didn't squat. You know, you don't. You, yeah. New businesses tend not to get that much support. Mm-hmm. There is support out there now. Now I can see it, <laughs> but when you when you're trying to start, you don't even mm-hmm. know where to look. No. So, um, so I was lucky enough to be able to buy or fund the roaster mm-hmm. myself. Uh, but ultimately, we weren't given any help from anybody. It's um, it's 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 the energy that you put into the business that the energy that you get out of the business. All right. Okay. And then, would you say that it just kind of grew enough to become sustainable, and never you got never got to the point where you were like, okay, well. I do now need to perhaps in, find investors. That this is a very common question for yeah. So. That's right. Um, I think we've had we've had a very long journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, every penny that we have earned, we have put it back into the business because we believe in it. Mm-hmm. So, so we, you know, we we we've been approached. People have spoke to us, and 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 everyone's got their own agenda. And although we've explored lots of um, avenues, I think ultimately. You know, we don't want any outside influence that is going to change or alter the path that we are on. The path that we are on, we know is 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 the correct path, and we don't want that to be influenced by somebody yes. who's got a financial uh, incentive. Yes, exactly. uh, because we are incentivized, you know, by by our people, and we are incentivized by what we can do to mm-hmm. provide a, a positive impact, mm-hmm. and and that's not always financially motivated so when you do introduce people who have got a financial incentive then it's you're not you're not aligned yes no that's a brilliant point that you just made there and often overlooked when uh for example entrepreneurs are just like facing the the numbers like the excel i think there's there's plenty of businesses that would benefit from from uh the 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 investment Mm -hmm. and and it depends what the individual or the business owner wants for that yeah. business. Now, there's people who have got different agendas than yes. than ours. Our agenda is is very different. Mm-hmm. So, whilst we don't, you know, we don't deny anybody their own decisions. It's just not the right decision for us. Okay, fair enough. And then, so what has been your most surprising success so far? Oh, that, yeah, that's a difficult one because it's just a series of successes and failures. And and we can, you know, if you talk about successes, you've got to talk about the failures as well. And we've had a copious amount of failures. Every day brings successes and failures. And and I think the, the, the success that we have have is our ability to pick ourselves up after the countless amounts of failures. And for any new business, it is... This is literally the the hardest thing that anybody can do is try to develop a business because it is all so consuming and it will consume your time mentally and physically. 
So so our success is our ability to, to pick ourselves up and, and carry on. Okay. And then on the flip side, I mean, COVID-19 has impacted many independent businesses negatively. I mean, it's just impacted businesses, the economy, yeah. every, everyone yeah. basically. So how did you negotiate the situation at Round and & Coffee and have you made any major changes to how you operate? We, we panicked just as, as anybody else did. What we noticed though was that whilst people weren't drinking coffee in coffee shops that we were supplying, mm -hmm that they would go home and uh, although they were in lockdown, they still wanted coffee to be drunk whilst they're at home. So we were really encouraged. We were worried and alarmed uh, in the first few weeks, but then actually as people started to order the coffee online, then it just gave us a reason to, to carry on roasting and it just enabled us to keep the light on. Uh, a little bit longer so we went to single man operations we did everything safely and it, it did covid definitely has accelerated some of the decision making that we might have just limped along a little bit and that is you know more home working not necessarily all being uh together in the roastery and just looking at looking at where we would like to be in the future as well okay do you think you're going to go into a a focus of like more widespread selling of your coffee like uh, it's uh, it's it's interesting because whilst we've got plans and we we want to have fairly loose plans i guess about how we want to be as a business it ultimately it's where the business takes us now mm -hmm. so so we need to just adapt to the ever changing environment that we're living in so whilst we have plans and in january if you'd have asked me a question I'd, I'd have said this is the year that we're going to chill out we're going to just kind of get systems in place and and just get better at what we do but everything's changed since then mm -hmm. so as a business we just need to adapt and we just need to try to to focus on the things that um or, or the direction that we want to go into and just make sure that we don't get too distracted Scene three, your flavor profile for life. For many of us, the complexity of coffee comes down to the style we prefer. Whether it's Americano, cappuccino, macchiato, flat white, and so on. But in reality, the complexity is in the flavor of the bean, and these can be incredibly diverse. Tell us more about coffee cupping and how someone who perhaps have not been introduced to the different flavour profiles of coffee should go about exploring this. Okay, so coffee cupping is is essentially just the assessment of coffee in a very standardised way. So very similar to wine tasting, coffee cupping has its own unique standard. And, and the reason why we do coffee cupping is there's a few different reasons uh, one we want to score the coffee we want to assess the coffee we want to look for defects but also we want to be able to assess the quality of the roast or the way that the, the coffee has been farmed now when we standardize something what we're doing is everything is the same the way that we drink the coffee so it'd be the same amount of water, the same temperature of water, the same water hardness, the same vessel, 
the same quantity of coffee, all of this kind of stuff. So the only difference that you have is actually the, the coffee itself. So you might have a coffee from, you might have three different coffees from Guatemala, for example. Mm-hmm. So the only difference in this, the only variation in this is actually the coffee beans. Everything else has been standardised. So so you're able to then quite accurately assess the differences between between each coffee. So coffee yeah. cupping is essentially just a, a standardised way of assessing coffee. Now, the reason why it is important is that uh, we, we are lucky to have Dave Burton, who's a, our Q grader. Mm-hmm. He's only one of 80 people in the UK who's actually qualified to be able to accurately assess quality to a to a benchmark standard essentially if he is scoring a coffee on this side of the world his palate should essentially be standardized the same as that guatemalan coffee who is also a q grader who is also assessing his own coffee so they will be able to essentially exchange tasting notes and tasting scores on that same coffee and they should always be a fairly accurate assessment of that coffee Okay. So it's, it's 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 essentially a, it's an international coffee language. I see. And then is this something that the public can do? I'm not talking about like choosing the coffee and saying that's better coffee or that so on. But like as an experience, maybe just to taste different flavor notes or absolutely, yeah, it's something that you can do very easily at home. Uh, okay. the, 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 you know, it's quite easy to search what the the recipe is to do a coffee uh, assessment. Uh, for me, I think just drink black coffee keep the the recipe the same try different processed coffees and then you'll get an understanding of the different varieties that are available or at least the flavor profiles that Mm. that you can get with some coffees yes okay and then is there a right or wrong way to drink coffee absolutely not coffee is subjective you know if i prefer coffee this way what right do I have to tell you that the way that you were doing it is incorrect? Though we feel very strongly about the way we drink our coffee. <laughs> yeah, so so this is it. I think it, it's up to us as coffee roasters and coffee enthusiasts to to try to show different ways of enjoying coffee. Um, but it's not our job to tell you how you should be drinking coffee. It's just um, we have our own recipes and standards and, and whatnot. But, but I... I'm in no position to tell anybody that they should be enjoying coffee like this because, as I say, coffee is is very subjective. Okay, so say in an imaginary world where everybody drinks coffee the way you drink it, what is the best way to drink it? Ah, okay. So it depends what day you ask me because uh, at the moment I'm drinking uh, filter coffee. Um, My preferred brewing method at the moment is AeroPress. Uh, I've got a quite a, a special recipe that I use, which is... Has this been shared on the Round and Coffee YouTube uh, channel with all your recipes? <laughs> I'm not sure. But it's, it's, it is 30 grams of coffee, quite coarsely ground in an AeroPress. It's, okay. it's really quite simple. We can, we can share that probably on our socials. I'm pretty sure it's there. Okay, so before we wrap up, the uh, last couple of questions... Thinking of the diversity of the coffee flavors, some of us might prefer some acidic tasting coffee with fruity tones or more mellow coffees that have a creamier, nuttier palate. And this is especially when you drink coffee black, because otherwise I think the milk and so on sometimes just dilute the the actual flavors. So it is 
in a way, the same for our lives. So some of us follow a path or have a space, especially in terms of work, where we might be feel more at ease or happier. Sometimes, however, we do get stuck on a path that is not suited to us. And it is kind of like getting in the habit of just drinking a type of coffee that we don't enjoy much. So what would you tell someone who feels stuck in a job that they are perhaps not enjoying or someone who really aspires to do something else but is resistant to taking that first step to change their situation? That's a that's a very deep question and um and it's one that I can only I can only encourage people just to try to do things that would challenge them and I think uh, if you if you do things that you are challenged by then you feel the benefit of it only retrospectively mm-hmm. you don't nobody enjoys the moment when you are challenged and living and you're in fear because of a decision that you've made and the the heightened level of anxiety it's it's the kind of effect afterwards it's how you feel afterwards being able to 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 to, to demonstrate to yourself that you're actually capable of doing something yeah. i think um it it's just be brave uh make a bold decision and and realize what is what's the the fear of failure what what is failure is failure actually not trying or mm-hmm. failure trying it and failing you know for me failure is wanting to do something and not even giving it a try that's my definition of failure okay wonderful thank you so much for joining me today dave so before i go before we wrap up the show i have a few quick questions what important truth do very few people agree with you on yeah that i read that question and i was like oh what well it, it's obviously that i'm a i'm a excellent footballer it had to be that one <laughs> <laughs> well luckily it was not it's well somebody said the the entire podcast that's actually my last episode somebody said everything i just said <laughs> so tell us about the biggest challenge you have overcome in your life there's lots of challenges i think the biggest one is is trying to be a good dad and trying to trying to do everything that i possibly can to uh being a parent is is probably the the biggest challenge that anybody can can go on you know it's, it's a beautiful beautiful uh thing to do but it's also like the most frightening thing that you could also happen upon so mm-hmm. yeah the biggest challenge is is being a dad and okay. um and hopefully hopefully i'm doing all right at this <laughs> and then what is your favorite place in the world and why it's got to be well it's got to be yorkshire in the northeast uh it's got to be home okay. you know it it's where it's where i returned mm-hmm. after traveling all around the world it's it's where i came back to to live and to to set up so it, it is absolutely within a within a 20 30 mile radius of where i live you know it's it's okay. a beautiful part of the world that's true and that's why i'm still here as well yeah. <laughs> What advice would you give to someone wishing to enter a career in coffee? Top tip. Yeah, top tip is just uh, learn and knock on doors. You know, people are always looking for good people. And um, and just read, learn and drink plenty of coffee. Good advice. That's the easiest, the easiest thing yes. I can imagine. I'll follow that advice. 
Thanks for listening to the show. And once again, thank you to Dave for joining me. Thank you. Can people find you on social media? Where do the All the usual they? channels, Round okay. and Coffee, Round and Coffee Roasters. And then just quickly, where are your coffee shops in case somebody just wants to go and have So them? we have two in Middlesbrough, Bedford Street Coffee, and we have The Corner, which is also in Debenhams as well. That's a wrap. Thanks so much for listening to the show. Quick note, I'm taking a two-week break and we'll be back in September. If during that time you're looking for some episodes to listen to and you enjoyed this one, I recommend episode 30 with Steve Ashman, who also went from a corporate job to something coffee-related, but we travel to France in this episode and hear a little bit about his back and forth, London, Northeast, France, Paris, and yes, you can have a listen to that. There are loads of other episodes as well. Just have a little browse around. And if you are a creator currently living abroad or you want to live abroad or you just want to travel and you need to know where to start, man, just get in touch. Say hello on Insta at creators.abroad or head over to my website, creatorsabroad.com. I create content and in particular, podcasts. Everything related to the podcast universe. <laughs> for other people and I consult them on how to create a show that is exceptionally good like that just hits the mark including the blog content the vlog content the social media all of that and I can help you if you need help so find all my details on my website if you just want to support the show simply hit the follow button give us some love on apple and of course join me next time for more narrative journeys of creators abroad